Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. The topic today is emerging technologies. We're talking specifically about endpoint virtualization. Now, because we're talking about virtualization, we understand that it means many things to many people. And that's why today I've gathered a group of diverse people to talk about virtualization. You're going to be hearing from Matt Spear of M&T Bank, who's going to talk about virtualization from a financial institution's perspective. You'll then be hearing from Tom Wills of Javelin Strategy and Research, who'll give us some market insights into virtualization. And finally, we'll have Brian Duckering of Symantec, who can really give us a view from the trenches as a service and a solution provider. Now, the format of this podcast is each of these individuals is going to introduce himself with some thoughts on, on their unique perspectives on virtualization, and then we're going to toss some questions around the group. So I'd like to start out. Matt, if you could introduce yourself and then talk about virtualization from your perspective. Thanks, Tom. Well, I'm Matt Spear from uh, M&T Bank, and I'm in charge of technology infrastructure and our overall virtualization effort. And, you know, from a banking perspective, some of the greatest benefits for virtualization has been, you know, maximizing resources when you look at your typical um, you know, PC environment and endpoint that it's, you know, greatly underutilized for the resources that are available. Additionally, when you look at the, uh, the issue of security around your endpoints, that being able to virtualize that environment puts a greater level of control in your hands so that you have the ability to truly standardize on your endpoint, which is virtually impossible to do with different hardware combinations, and then control where the data resides in your environment. We found great benefit in the ability to provide virtual uh, desktop infrastructures out to third parties that are doing work on our behalf so that we can control their experience. They're working on our systems and our applications, uh, and none of that data is leaving in our environment and we control it. And so from that perspective, the virtualization of the endpoint is really, uh, you know, shown to be very cost-effective for us. Um, I think that the next round of virtualization of the endpoint will really be around how can you provide a consistent environment for um, standardization across, you know, user profile types. So in a typical retail bank, you'll have teleworkstations that are, out there in your environment, and in Nirvana, every one of those would be totally identical, and you'd be able to update uh, in near real time. The fact of the matter is, by having you know PCs out at the the teller workstation today, the update process is uh, very cumbersome as well as costly, and it is not timely. Usually, there's schedule events that occur over you know several day period minimally. And so being able to provide that standard gold copy that you can then turn around and be able to update on the fly, and then it's a simple login or log out and log in, and all of your tellers have the exact same replica of the gold copy. Very good, Matt. Thank you. Tom, I'd like to get some perspective from you from what you see at Javelin Strategy and Research. Absolutely, Tom. Um, so at Javelin, I covered the uh, fraud and security space. I look very closely at that. And so, you know, with my security hat on, with the security benefits that, that Matt talked about with respect to virtualization, especially that control element, uh, with that said, I don't believe that security itself is a key driver 
for adoption of virtualization. I believe that it's it's mainly a cost reduction play, um, although there are the, those security elements to it. So with this, the extremely top economic environment that the industry is struggling with today, uh, you can expect expect that we'll see an imperative for banks to reduce IT costs. Virtualization cuts floor space, it cuts power costs, it cuts maintenance costs, and so on, and, and see that as a growth industry throughout uh, 2009 and beyond, moving towards the, the situation where we have 100% virtual data center, bit by bit. I don't think we'll, we're there yet or we'll get there this year. Um, but, but uh, you know, with that said, there are, because of security concerns, banks will likely dip their toes in the water um, a little bit before they swim. So they'll start with more non-core applications, things like marketing databases, databases of branch and ATM locations, and so on, and probably hold off on virtualizing their core ERP applications until they're confident that it's secure in terms of confidentiality, availability, integrity of the sensitive data. That makes sense, Brian, last, but, but certainly not least. Why don't you give us some of your perspective? You've got the benefit of seeing multiple financial institutions and, and seeing what drives them. What's your perspective you'd like to share? Well, certainly. We work across all industries, banking being uh, a significant one. And as, as Tom mentioned, um, although you know, I'm speaking from the semantic perspective, and we certainly have many uh, you know, products that help with security, uh, the Endpoint Virtualization Group, we're focusing on the virtualization technologies and the manageability across uh, technologies to, to help better management, uh, reduce costs, improve end-user productivity. Uh, the other thing we say here at Symantec is that uh, you, know, you can only truly secure an endpoint if it's well-managed. So, so you know, a lot of what we contribute is that manageability aspect. Right? So this, this manifests itself in a number of different ways. Um, primarily, uh, you recognize that the different aspects uh, even within finance, whether it's uh, you know call centers or floor traders, or there's a variety of different uh, computing needs, and we need to be able to address all of them, right? Even if they're very different uh, computing models, uh, we even support uh, partners. For example, uh, you know mortgage loan origination customer that you know has their own financial software that they're you know, tens of thousands of partners around the country need to use. Uh, you know, they used to, you know, they used to ship out CDs and eventually they were using Citrix and ultimately it made a lot more sense to them and it was a lot more cost effective to use streaming. That way when they had their, um, you know, their, their almost weekly or twice weekly updates to the software, they could simply change that in one location. It was all streamed, the Delta streams to, uh, to the partners and everyone seamlessly was always using the right version. So, so there's a lot of things we can do to automate and reduce costs while at the same time uh, you know, improving the, the end user productivity through these methods. Good points. Uh, John, I've got a series of questions here. I'd like to throw them out to you. I think that what I'm going to do is when I, I'll target a question and let an individual respond, and the other two can chime in with some perspectives as well. Um, the first one I have here, Matt, I'd like to toss it to you. In today's current economic climate, why would a banking executive care? about virtualizing employee workspaces? Well, Tom, I, if you go back to, uh, you know, Tom's comment that obviously we're all under pressure uh, to reduce expenses, and virtualization is probably one of the best methods to, um, you know, take back on this distributed computing sprawl uh, that has occurred over the years. You know, you look at the, your average server, 
and that uh, you know it's going to be running between 15 and 20 percent of its resources throughout you know the life cycle of the day, and the rest of the time it's going to be pretty close to zero. And so by being able to maximize those hardware resources, you can drive down the number of physical servers that you have in place, the heating, power, and cooling that's required, uh, you know, to keep those data centers uh, under control and maximize the, the lifetime of that hardware, as well as one of the things that people don't talk about is, you know, virtualizing uh, makes the hardware become agnostic because it puts that layer in between the the, the servers of the applications and the underlying hardware. So it becomes hardware agnostic, and you can take uh, and convert you know, some of your legacy applications that may have been running on Windows NT uh, in certain hardware configurations and be able to put those onto new, faster um, you know, resources and then maximize the use of those. Because if you can get uh, your dev test cert environments over onto uh, you know, virtualization, you can drive those costs down better than five to one. Very good. You know, I'll, I'll go ahead and add to that a little bit. Uh, you know, you talk about the, the layering. I think there, there's really three things. There's reasons that, uh, that people are looking at this. Um, stability of the systems, which reduces support, um, access to the right applications for, by the right people, and as you said, cost cutting. The stability is certainly enhanced by the virtualization aspect because you're separating the the applications and the layers from the underlying system. So there's less interdependency and there's less conflict. So you can actually, you know, not only reduce the pre-deployment testing, but as you add and remove applications, um, you you ultimately re you ultimately have a a more stable system that requires a lot less uh, uh, less support. The cost-cutting issue is interesting because we we would talk to banks, um, you know, a couple of years ago, and they would they would not be they would be interested in a lot of things. One of the things that they weren't very interested in was cutting costs for their application licenses because they would just you know they, there was apparently plenty of money for that part of the business, and they would just buy licenses as they need it. Um, in today's economy, uh, they seem to be coming back to us and revisit willing to revisit that issue. Uh, because if they can save a half a million dollars here or there on license costs simply by um, automating the compliance and uh, proactively managing those licenses according to the uh, the agreements they have, there's there's an awful lot of money that can be saved there. Tom, anything you want to add to that? No, you know, simp simply because of the cost efficiencies that realize, Tom, I think you know the pressure for banks to reduce their IT costs in the current economic environment. Uh, there's going to be a lot of pressure to look seriously at virtualization and begin to implement. Again, I believe it's, uh, it's largely a cost-driven initiative. Tom, there's a question I'd like to toss to you and then get Brian and Matt to weigh in as well. Uh, from your perspective, what are the biggest security challenges and on the flip side, the opportunities when it comes to virtualization technologies? Well, Tom, I think I'll start with the opportunity side because that part is relatively simple and Matt said it pretty well earlier. It's It's that level of centralized control that you get with respect to your user environment, what applications are running, uh, making sure access controls are consistent, making sure they're all patched consistently against the latest malware and so on. So that's certainly a strength. Um, on the threat side, you know, to be totally honest, the security threats associated with virtualization are not really understood well yet. They're largely theoretical, and that's because it's such a new space and, and these are for still very early days. 
there hasn't been enough deployment of virtualized systems, especially in mission-critical types of uh, environments, for a long enough time uh, to give the black hats time to find all the vulnerabilities, excuse me, the vulnerabilities and exploit them. Um, I think that's going to change. And in the meantime, security practitioners have the problem of trying to anticipate you know, what the threats are, uh, what they will be, and plug them proactively. That in itself is a challenge because there's uh, a typical mentality that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, as, as far as the biggest actual concern I've heard discussed, that's about leakage of confidential information across two or more virtual environments that might be running in one physical environment. And malware jumping in across as well. So how do you keep that Chinese wall in place? And in addition, you are going to have the same threats as you do with multiple servers and applications running separately uh, in the old world, except now that you put them together uh, in one place, there's a single point of compromise, and you've got to secure that really well. And, uh, you know, the other thing is that I think there's a large challenge organizationally uh, as opposed to technically. You've got collapsing work, uh, networking, server administration functions, applications, operating systems, and security all into one single instance, and there's a lot of question now about who owns that, who's responsible for that piece, where is this host, is it real, is it virtual, what data center is it in, and so on. And these questions have really stirred up the, the pot with respect to security. I think from, uh, from my perspective, what we see uh, really changing in the security landscape is that there's so much more uh, mobility uh, and people going offline. Uh, there's all these statistics. I, I don't have any at the top of my head, but about you know, people you know, leaving laptops at, at uh, airports and uh, losing USB keys and things like that. So you know, virtualization, uh, going back to what Tom was saying, really, really can help with the access and if you're going to, you know, virtualize the whole desktop, for example, so that everything's centralized, um, it certainly makes it easier to make sure that the right people are, and only the right people, are accessing the applications and systems uh, that you're trying to protect. Yeah, Tom, I mean, from, from, from my standpoint, I think that, you know, it comes down to it is a change in management mindset. We are so used to uh, dealing with server operating systems that uh, security professionals haven't thought about what are going to be those vulnerabilities against, you know, hypervisors that, you know, that uh, virtualization layer, and how am I going to have to change the way in which I configure my traditional IDS, IPSs to be able to detect attacks that are trying to cross those virtualization environments? Uh, absolutely. So it's really a, just a forced rethinking of, of, of the organization and then uh, you know, who owns what. Hey, Brian, I want to toss a question your way. Um, you know, the, the Heartland Payment Systems case has, has been in the news for, for most of the year, and it underscores that fraud and vendor management are huge concerns for financial institutions. So given that as a backdrop, how do virtualization solutions address the security and the compliance challenges that are inherent in these growing and increasingly complex vendor ecosystems? Well, you know, we'll go back. We'll go back to the access issue. So, what we're talking about really is the extended enterprise. So, you know, when you're talking about the vendors uh, and needing to be able to extend your enterprise and your data uh, in applications, in some cases, outside of what you normally manage, your normal domain, you know, your four walls and your land, um, it, it does it does become difficult. But to a certain extent, it's really from from a virtualization standpoint and the 
and the approaches that we've taken for a number of years when we're talking about things like streaming, virtualization, virtual desktops, um, we can really take a very similar approach to when we have someone that's, uh, that's normally part of an organization that has to travel, you know, your mobile and remote uh, uh, folks. So when we're working with, with vendors, uh, as I mentioned in the, in the question or in the comment earlier, um, we have we have specific customer examples where we've needed to make uh, data and applications available, and we can. Uh, there's there's a couple aspects. One, we need to make sure that the right versions of those applications are available. And if we have to rely on, you know, shipping out the new versions for the CDs, uh, then it's just not going to work because you've got the delay, you've got the extra expense, and you really have no control over that vendor, you know, updating or using the right system. So. We want to try and combine the, you know, the, essentially the best of both worlds. We want to maintain centralized control, even though these people are completely outside of our control, right? So this falls in the same category as, as we deal with in a lot of other other industries called consumerization, where people are bringing their own laptops, their own systems in, and uh, virtualization allows us to extend the access, but in a very controlled manner. So we can actually, again, with that, that virtualization layer, separate their experience uh, in the environment that we need to give them access to. We can open up a little hole and say, here's, here's, your, here's your compartmentalized area where you can operate and you can get the information you need, and we can still draw the line between that and the system that may be within that partner organization. So again, I think it has a lot to do with uh, control, maintaining versions, uh, and access. Good, Brian. Tom, Matt, I want to give you a chance to jump in on this as well. Uh, you've got you know, experience from different sides of this. Uh, how does this virtualization address the fraud management, fraud and vendor management concerns that, that institutions have? Well, you know, to, to build on what Brian said, because he's absolutely correct, for whenever you need to provide access to an external party, you run risk of one, then, you know, taking data. Uh, or, you know, having residuals of data in their environment that you don't want them to have. And so be able to control that experience, be able to provide them with the application versions that you need them to work with, um, are, you know, are just absolutely critical to, uh, driving down the potential for fraud or, you know, just plain misuse of your customer's non-public personal information. And so, uh, that ability to present them a, you know, a standardized environment that is entirely underneath your control so that you can monitor what they're doing and be able to control what they have the ability to do and see really provides a, a, a level of, um, you know, securitization around your information and applications that you would not be able to do without virtualization. I have to agree with the others. And, you know, also add that one of the biggest problems that banks have in a customer-facing environment uh, with web banking and mobile banking is keeping control uh, or trying to get control of user computers and mobile devices and the software that's running on them. So I believe that, that virtualization has a, a lot of potential in that space to uh, reduce um, to reduce online fraud and uh, hacking attacks that take place in the customer-facing area. Guys, one more question. I want to go back to something that Brian started talking about earlier when he was introducing himself, which is about containing costs and being able to maximize security. Uh, Matt, I want to throw this to you first, and then 
Tom, Brian, please jump in. How can financial institutions contain costs and still maximize security and scale through virtualization technologies? Well, uh, Tom, from from my perspective on this is that you know virtualization is the true green initiative um, by being able to you know maximize the resources that you have in place uh, and be able to you know combine applications and the resourcing power that needs to require you can drive down a lot of the costs that you typically don't see as you know as an executive because. If you're if you're working in technology and have an understanding of what it costs to run a server, as an example, on an annual basis, what that total cost of ownership is for you, also what's overlooked is the heating, power, and cooling that's required to, to keep that going. So if you can limit your footprint overall, that you have the, that ability to drive down your overall, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, your carbon footprint uh, for running those data centers. You know, and additionally, from a, a security standpoint and be able to maximize that capacity, you know, having that centralized control and be able to control who has access to what and in what context, you know, does more to be able to um, drive down your potential losses than almost anything else that you can do. I, I, w- I would say as long as banks and vendors can stay on top of the current security threats, because, again, they are very early days for virtualization. Um, not all of them have been anticipated yet, but if, if, if the banks and vendors can stay on top of those, um, keep tracking them, and, and, and put fixes in the product as they go along um, so that unanticipated attacks don't derail the whole thing, there's a very, very compelling cost reduction business case for virtualization. I would say there's there's cost to be cut really in, in every quarter. Uh, if I focus just on a couple, obviously server and client side, I can expand a little bit on the green initiative. Uh, you know that, that Matt was talking about. Uh, I think there's a fallacy out there that for IT everything is simpler and less expensive if we just centralize everything. And basically, what you're what you're doing in many cases, you're taking you know. Uh, you know, a system that, that generates heat and uses power from an area where it, where it isn't a problem back into the data center where it is a problem. Um, you know, I think we need to be smart about which systems um, and what users are being supported out of the data center, not try to do all of them, but only the ones that really make sense. Uh, you know, call center employees, certainly that makes sense. Terminal server environments, that's, that's perfect for that, right? And then you can have, you know, your thin, thin client access. But you know, if you if you switch over and you look at someone, let's just take the other end of the spectrum, people on the trader floor. Um, I've I've heard numbers like you know one one IT support person for every two traders because the the money involved in keeping those guys up and running is just huge, and they just can't afford to be down, right? So so there's there's a if there's that much money being spent on them, there's certainly that much money to be lost or saved. So if you can virtualize the applications. Um, stream them, make them instantly accessible, and at the same time make sure that the addition and the movement of those applications and the access doesn't destabilize the system and bring that system down. You can maybe change those ratios a little bit. So, you know, maybe maybe one IT person is supporting five or ten or twenty, because um, we've got systems in place where if an application breaks, you you don't have to troubleshoot it or remediate it or anything. You just hit reset and it's fixed without even having to reset it, one of the beauties of virtualization. So, again, there's, there's, there's cost, to be, cost to be saved in, in really every quarter. 
Well said. Gentlemen, let me ask you each for a final statement here, and then we'll wrap up our conversation. And Let's start with you, Matt. Where are you going to explore virtualization going forward in uh, your own institution? You know, I think one of the, the intriguing propositions of virtualization is the ability to extend out to the retail customer, um, you know, a, an experience for them that's more based upon an operating system than a web browser. So you think about retail web banking and that ability to provide them with a virtualized environment. One, I think that uh, higher level of confidence in the security aspect of that so then you control the experience and uh, are able to provide them a more robust environment with which to interact uh, with your, your organization. So I think it's both from a customer and user experience as well as having control of that environment. And I think it's pretty intriguing, and uh, we're interested in taking a look at that. Very good. Tom, to put out the crystal ball here and give us a, a sense, what trends do you foresee throughout the rest of this year and going into next? Well, Tom, definitely steady adoption of virtualization in the banking industry, driven by the imperatives to reduce costs, and as I alluded to before, first with non-critical applications, and as they're demonstrated to work well with the more mission-critical apps, and then moving bit by bit towards a fully virtual data center environment. We won't see that this year, but we'll see it in subsequent years, um, and as the market gains more critical mass, uh, expect to see more efforts in the black hat world to break it open. The banks and vendors do need to pay close attention to the security aspects uh, on a day-by-day basis, anticipate as many of the obvious threats as possible, and then be ready to fix them as the major ones start to emerge. But I expect to see mainly a reactive approach to security from inside the financial institutions, um, along with uh, steady adoption of the technology. Very good. Brian, final words from you. You've heard from both Matt and from, from Tom. How do these statements jibe with what you see and what you hear from your own customers? Um, I, I totally concur. I think the uh, I think one of the to, to add to that one of the big opportunities for virtualization and, and we're seeing this already is the ability to adopt it uh, incrementally. Okay, many technologies over the last you know 15 years or so have been you know kind of rip and replace solutions and virtualization, you know, endpoint virtualization, there's a number of technologies that solve specific problems from virtualizing the applications to streaming the applications to virtualizing the desktop that they can really be be added on top of the systems that are already in place. So the cost of adoption and the ability to target, um, as, as Tom said, to target specific problems that are really the high return uh, situations where we can really save a lot of money, we can re- return, get a high return on our investment. And then ultimately, you know, looking out, you know, the next year or so, again, we're seeing a little bit of this, but broad-scale adoption, the, the opportunity really is in recognizing that we have a difference between infrastructure components and the end-user workspace. And virtualization allows us to separate those so that they can be managed better. Because within your organization, you're going to have terminal server environments, you're going to have blade environments, and then you're always going to have your rich client environments that are either local or remote or mobile. And the common element of those is the workspace. And if we can be very responsive to the users and take a, a user or a role-based approach, uh, then it really won't matter what device they're on um, you know, ultimately, it won't, you know, they could be on their phone for all that matters. Today, it's, you know, uh, any location, any PC, any, uh, they can get the right environment, they can be productive, and at the same time, 
secure access, controlled access, uh, et cetera, all the stuff we've been talking about. Very good. Brian, Tom, Matt, I want to thank all three of you for taking time today to share your um, your insights and your experiences. Thank you, Tom. You're very welcome. The topic has been Endpoint Virtualization. This has been an Emerging Technologies Insights podcast. And for Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.